this thing. No title again. Is it rolling, Bob? down a bit. Do we need the bell? Just a light bell. Chicken, you ready for the show? Okay. Chicken's ready. Uh, yeah. Dixon Jeans, welcome. This would be episode 840. And it is a Tuesday. It is 420. It is 420. Now, I was going to have a toke. And in fact, I think the time is 4.22, uh, or 4.20 also, somewhere around there. And um, it's just, you know, you know I guess uh, here I'll be, I'll be blunt. I don't, I don't want to be stoned necessarily when my wife gets home. Now that sounds cowardly, you know. What the hell, man? What happened to you? Um, but, you know, she's been working all day and... I'd rather get high and sail with it without having to, you know, maybe appear to act sensible. I don't know. It's it's not she's demanding that of me. I'm demanding it of myself. I'll tell you what. Um, I was out on an errand to, to pick up the Dixon Jane scene, actually. I had printed copies made. I'll get back to that. We'll loop around. And I knew I was near a store... That sold this chicken that we all like. Uh, it's in the east. It's past Warden, so it's you know it's a bit. It's not far. It's in Scarborough, but it's a it's a trek to get there. And I thought, well, damn. While I'm in the area, the responsible thing to do, since we don't have plans for supper, and since we had a bit of a uh, some kitchen friction last night, I thought you know the smart thing would be to do. Forget going down to Bluffers Park and having a toke. You're in this area. Go to that place, line up to the deli counter, and get yourself a chicken and to bring home for the family for supper. And that's what I did. And and so it, the thing is, that <laughs> it's the responsible thing to do. Like, why, why wouldn't I do that? I'm not just thinking for myself. And I'm thinking about this because I know... Had it been in Vancouver, talking to a friend, my old buddies. And this, as you know, is the reason I moved to Toronto, to be away from the friends I hung out with, the friends I would be drinking more with, smoking more with. You know, this I, I needed a, a new start. And uh, the new start was Toronto. New life, family man, you know, father, responsible citizen. Involved in school councils, holding down a job, doing all that kind of stuff. Looking after the house. And uh, so, there's my reasons for not joining in on the 420 celebrations. There's really no need. I've, I've, I've done that long ago. I've been doing that shit since 1967. So, uh, you know, I've, uh, I've, I've played my part. God, do I have to defend myself? No. It's just that... Well, it's just what? 
you know, I, yeah, I am on the defensive. I'm, I'm thinking that maybe I'm, you know, you get different voices in your ears sort of telling you this or that or uh, running thoughts past you. So, yeah, it is now actually 420 on 420 at this moment as I'm talking to you and <sighs> I'm not having a toke. And that's okay. I may have one tomorrow if I start early enough. See, I, my preference would be to do it in the morning and then you got all day to, to coast, you know. I don't want to do it at 420 and then Nelko gets home at 520 and, <sighs> you know thinking about what she's gone through to work because she's under a lot of stress working with old people working with seniors working with people gradually every day just a little <laughs> a little more out of touch with the real world maybe for quite a few uh, on the plus side she's working with a lot of Japanese people and she can work in the Japanese language as well as English how wonderful and what a nightmare it would be for her if she had to commute downtown and work in an office and do that kind of thing. And here we are, right in Scarborough, close to home, bicycling distance, a place, a residence, retirement home for Japanese citizens and Japanese Canadians, mainly. Uh, how, how well this fit into place. Yeah. Still doing a lot of defending, aren't I? Come on, loosen up, buddy. Loosen the fuck up, man. They expect that of you, your listeners. Yeah, well, what about the readers? Yeah, the readers. Yes, because today is also the day I put out Dixon Jane's volume 20 fucking 2, number 2. And uh, I'm very, very pleased with that. 20 fucking 2, number 2. And, uh, yeah, I just, um, the reason I was out was I went to the, uh, printers to do that. Sorry, I was going to have music in the background. Here we are. Um, and yesterday I finished it. Today I did the final bit of editing and I, I'm, I'm, I'm anal when it comes to, God, you cannot have an extra space between two words it shows. There's too much white there. I need that one space. You can't have a space before a comma. Heaven forbid. And when you import text, sometimes you'll use the, just the straight-up quotation marks. No, 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 no. You want the quotation marks that match the font, the Zaf, Zaf, Zaf humanist font that I use all the time. Uh, the presets, you know, hey, this is the font for the stories. This is the font for the headlines or the titles, you know. Got it all worked out here. Uh, and so I, I do a visual check. You can do sort of a preview mode of what it'll look like print without all the guidelines and everything else. It's really fun working. It's a really nice piece of software. Uh, I think I can't remember. Is it Swift Publisher? I should have put that down. Damn it. Yeah, I used to write when I did these, the old Dixon Jeans. I always, what computer I was using, what software, what version of the uh, operating system, everything. Forgot to do that. Gee, I'm going to bring that back next issue. Volume, it'll be number, well, will it be 20? Because you see, I wanted, the next issue will be September, or the fall of 2021. I don't know how I'm doing the volume. It's sort of, we're doing, my plan was to have two issues a year. It's a spring and fall. Technically, it would be the same year, but oh, I don't know. It doesn't matter. Anyway, 
did that, and then a final, just a little bit of tweaking a story that I or a little, a little I have a little box that I write in my favorite favorite place in the whole zine. It's mine, exclusively, and I tweaked that a little bit. What I'd put down there, I, I talked about Baby Sally, and um, so anyway, then I figured, all right, I'll phone Staples see if I can get because you really want to have a print copy, you know. And Staples does a beautiful job where they'll they'll print it, you know, double sided, folded over because you're putting a great big eleven by fourteen sheet out. And the nice thing about the software that I'm using is when you export it, you can export it for printing as a booklet or just printing just straight, you know, PDF, page, 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 which most people reading on their computer, that's fine. That's good enough. I'm just going to read it on the screen. I don't need a print copy and zoom it to whatever size you want. That's great. But for the record, I like to have a, a at least one print copy. So called uh, them, and they said, no, everything is done online now. But I just by chance, it's the most amazing coincidence on 420. The guy who answered, is that, is that Ken? Yeah. Like, I don't know the names of anybody at Staples. I'm not, I don't, the last time I went was, a, you know, a few months ago. In fact, more than six, I guess. No, we, yeah, I suppose so. Yeah, to have my, uh, the last one printed. So, long time. The guy I've spoken with, he remembered me. He remembered what I was looking for, what I needed. And it was just by chance that I called, that he was in today, and I got him on the phone. And he said, no, everything's done online now, so here's what you got to do. And I'm saying all this because I was so impressed with the job Staples did. It's easy to complain about people who do shitty service, but Staples really came through again. This guy said, "But well, you got to just do this, this, and this. Make sure you, when you put the staples, put them in this. You know, this is the this is the option you want." Okay, okay, thank you. Went online, bam, 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 bam. But I already had the PDF for export. Everything was there. Great, here it is. Yeah, you know, the cheapest paper and uh, just black and white. Bam, here's what it costs. The whole thing worked beautifully. And then I got a phone, and then you send it in, you know, registered. Okay, now you know who I am, and I've got a, you know, a, 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 not a membership, but, you know, I'm registered with them. Um, he called me back right away. Uh, again, just, yeah, just about that, about the staples. No, you don't want them on the edge. You want them in the middle. But don't worry, I fixed it for you. I just wanted to check if that's okay. Wow. This was just after I sent it in. Thank you. Probably no more than five minutes after that, email message, it's ready for pickup. You know, you don't go into the store, just check out, you park in front of the store, and the guy was already outside, or another guy. Uh, what, what do you want? Yeah, printing? Yeah, okay, hang on, I'll just go get it. It, it was amazing service. So in no time at all, from to be able to do that from your home, I'm just going on, you know, there's an old man talking about the convenience of some of this. Technology and software and programming. It was just so nicely done. And bam, they got the machines. This is just incredible. And uh, bam. So here it is, holding it in my hand now. Of the Dixon Jane Zine, Volume 22, Number 2, Spring 2021. So there will be a Fall 2021. If you're interested, you got to get in touch with me. DixonJanes at gmail.com. That's with an N, not an ampersand. And a list of people who contributed on the front. 
a very, very neat call, an article called Circling the Toilet Bowl on the very back of it. But anyway, enough of that. Uh, if you're listening, there's a good chance you uh, already have a copy. So, Skybird Dude just wanted to uh, send that out to you and uh, let you know that uh, there's lots to celebrate today. I thought there was more, but what else do you need? You know, you finished a zine, you put it out, you got it printed, you picked up chicken for supper, and it's 420 and you're not getting high. All right. Now, here's the song. I think I played some of it for you. I'm just going to give you a little bit of this in the background, okay? Yeah, like I, I know I'm repeating myself. That's that's from the CD, the Revolution CD. I was raving about, uh, you know, a, a podcast or two against Chicken. Do you mind that you like that? Yeah, I know. Me too. I think it's fantastic. That is, uh, it's not chicken English. No, it is pigeon English. But uh, that's what I heard in Nigeria, and, and it just it's 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 heartwarming to hear it. All right, Scarborough dude, gonna sign off, and uh, I'll get back to you when I'm at, when I have something. Level-headed. Oh, today the uh, big news for the uh, the trial for the murder in the states that the whole world is watching. That's probably on the news today. You'll, that'll be out. The jury is coming up with their verdict, and let's hope there are no further riots. And that he is charged with some version of murder because it was a murder. We're talking about the cop who need on. Uh, going to say George Foreman. That's not his name. But, um, and it, yes, listen, it's not that I don't care. It's that I don't have a good memory for names. All right. Is it Derek Chauvin? Is he the cop? I don't know. I don't know. It's not. I know. I don't mean it's not important. It's very important. That's why I'm going on about it. Just that's happening today as well. And a federal budget with like a hundred billion dollars set aside for childcare or something. I mean, just incredible things going on. The world is has changed during this COVID time. I mean, a lot of changes going on. Oh, I know, I know, I know, I know. I was talking before about I don't really miss anything. I don't miss yet really my gatherings, and the only mostly because it's not time, and also because the only's getting so damn popular. I'm a little worried about that. Um. But, you know, to sit with your friends and drink some beer. But even, you know, my taste, for appetite for beer is down so low now. It's That's hard to... Oh, I'll have a beer today. There you are. That'll be a celebration of 420. I got a really nice um, chocolate stout or something in the back of the fridge. Yeah, maybe that's what we'll do. Okay, now, I'm back on track, boy. Back on Nelly. Back on track. Okay, now... <coughs> Sorry, what was the track? What I was going to do today? No, it wasn't about the beer. It wasn't about the not talking. It was about what we were just talking about. Oh, my God. Not the murder trial. It's that, too. Oh, my God. And I, the thing is, 
it would be wrong of me to stop the recorder, rewind, go back, find it. Like I have to. This is a test. This is a test. Bear with me. Okay, just give me just give me a couple of minutes to find out what was it I wanted to share. Oh yes, what I missed. Thank you. Oh my god, thank you. Thank heavens. Um not missing the only so much, but missing a country band. Country live country band. And it's because I watched Honeysuckle Rose last night. Not a movie I would necessarily recommend. Oh, it's good to see Willie Nelson. God, he even looked old 40 years ago. It's a 1980 film. Uh, I like the guy. But there was a few scenes uh, in bars playing country music. And honestly, that is one of the things. There's a lot of things that excite me. You may have noticed that on this podcast. A lot of things that excite me. Is that right, chicken? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We know. There's a lot of things. But one of them, one of the best, is to be drinking beer, maybe a little bit high, maybe you got a little bit of a buzz going, and you know there's another beer waiting for you. Nice waitress or fun person to chat with. But there's a live country band. Now, this could be the Eden House. It doesn't have to be the greatest band in the world. These are going to be local firemen from Pickering, you know. It could be anybody. But playing some of that music, you know, and maybe a little bit of the old truck driving stuff. And just that's when I really feel, I don't know, stretched out, free, you know, flowing in all directions. Just. God, that's what I like. That and that's what back in '75, the Canada Hotel up in Prince George, British Columbia. Holy fuck, live country band, best you've ever heard, and that kind of stuff. That's what I want to hear again, see again, experience again. That's what I miss. You can go down to the Cameron House and hear a great trio, country trio. It doesn't have to be a huge band. And that's great stuff. And that's what I want. Live country music. Okay. So, see? Remembered. All right. Scrapper Dude signing off. Chicken, anything else? <laughs> All right. Bye for now. Black as us, young and old. Black as an old, wrinkled faced queen sitting on the porch and rocking away her last days, thinking of her grandchildren. Black as the old lady's grandchildren yelling, Revolution! So that their grandmother would die free. Black as misery, black as pain. Black as marching in Alabama and getting nothing but rifle butts on the brain and not the freedom that you march for. Black as digging John Cole's train. John Cole's train as he blows. No, not as he blows, but as he tells you of his life, which is his people's life, which is all our lives. Blow, train, blow. Listen, black people, listen. Listen to train as he blows away your life. The way white people blow you away every day. Black is loving one another. Black is helping your sister and brother. Black is the beginning and end of white. Black is that which was first until white stole it, raped it, and imitated it. But it then began to do self and got blacker and blacker and blacker and blacker all whiteness. Black is the darkest night. The darkest night that is coming will ever be. Gunshots and white screens and black screens and gunshots and black screens and white screens and gunshots and white screens and black screens and no more screens. The darkest night that will turn into the peaceful day. Black is everyone seeing the light. A light shining like a star from the east to lead us from the darkness of the west. Black is having a goal for your flight. Put more meaning into everything.
sky. Black is so beautiful, it makes you cry. Black is short, black is tall. Let me impress that black is all. But this is not all I have to find. I also found that black is mine. It's almost like a warning. Uh, yeah, how do you back? Uh, how how do I'm back? Scarborough dude uh, from Bluffers Park, the uh, boat launch area. Uh, the sun has come out again. Now, when I was, uh, I can't believe that at eight o'clock this morning. Sorry, I'm tripping over my words. Slow down, bro. take a deep breath. All right. Eight o'clock this morning, I was brushing the snow off my wife's car. This is uh, April, what, uh, 21st, I think? And, uh, yeah, Wednesday. Uh, They told us it was coming, so it was no surprise. But still, I was surprised. Um, But anyway, it's melted already. There's nothing left of it. And, uh, yeah, just a little treat, you know. Here's a little taste of winter. People went out, took some pictures, posted them. Ooh, that's nice. And now we're back to normal. So I've got something to talk about that I haven't prepared how I'm going to say it. Uh, And I I guess I'll just go ahead and get started. Uh, It's about yesterday, uh, which was the the results coming in for the trial of Derek Chauvin, who was accused of the murder of George Floyd. Uh, If you're way in the distant future and you don't know, this is a a police officer who arrested somebody and then put his knee on his neck for over nine minutes, uh, resulting in his death. And he was charged with murder, and he was found guilty on three charges, uh, second-degree murder, uh, manslaughter, and um, I forget what the other one was, but uh, and was led out of the courtroom in handcuffs off to prison. There was rejoicing in the street by uh, George Floyd's family, relatives, and the black community at large, uh, feeling finally justice has been served. Uh, it was tense leading up to the um, outcome because there were crowds in the street, and had he, for some reason that would not have made any sense, had he been let off, or some lesser charges, found a way out, and he was released on bail or whatever, there would have been riots. There would have been buildings and cars burned. There would have been an absolute uproar, maybe even across the nation. The entire United States was watching this, uh, as were Canadians, Europeans, and, and all over. And so the jury system worked. It was the right outcome. The man was guilty. We we saw it. Now, had there not been a video, had that 17-year-old girl not stood there with her camera and videotaped the whole horrific time that he was gasping for breath and saying, I can't breathe, had that film not existed, there's no idea what the charges might have been. There might have been all these other stories they're trying to give, exhaust fumes and drug use and heart attack and all the other things. It would have been a harder case to fight, which makes you think, well, what about all the other cases of police officers shooting black people uh, without the proof and, of course, getting off? But anyway, I, I'm not going to go through this whole long history. 
Uh, other than to say, it's it's. I mean, it's politically loaded. It, it's it's a, a hot button issue. For example, headlines come out just yesterday, just before the jury announced the verdict. Uh, a girl was shot at close range by police. Four bullets shot dead. A teenage girl. Well, as you go into the story, that teenage girl was wielding a knife, and you can see from one of the video clips, I guess, from the officer's camera. It looks like that life is right up to the neck of another woman, somebody who called 911 for help. Somebody's attacking us with a knife, and it appeared to be two girls in a fight, but knives involved. Now, your first thing is, okay, but did they have to shoot her four times? And why wasn't, why isn't the taser the first, when you're at that close range, why isn't the taser the first line of defense? Uh, and instead, it's the gun. So those are questions to be asked. But I, well, I, I bring this up because it's very easy for people to say, oh, my God, police shot an unarmed black girl. Well, no, 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 not quite. Let's get the whole story. Somebody called for help. And, you know, anyway, that's a sidetrack. But I'm just seeing any of these issues that come up. Uh, people can react very quickly. And it's very hard for all the facts to come out. In the case of Derek Chauvin killing a black man when there was no need for it. He was already subdued. He was already handcuffed. Uh, it was a murder charge, and it was the right charge. Now, where I was going to go with this was a part of me, oh, and it's so hard to explain this because I, I can't quite get it without feeling <laughs> that same uproar I'm talking about behind me. A part of me has some compassion for that man being off to prison, not for what he did, not for the fact that he's going to stay, you know, it could be up to 40 years in jail the rest of his life. He may die in jail if he's not murdered in jail as a policeman. I'm not questioning that. Leave him in jail. Um, I, I want him to suffer mentally, not physical abuse, but mentally for, for what he has done to reflect on it. But if we go back several podcasts when we talked about the fact that humans don't have free will, that every every act we do is conditioned on an act before. And it could be as if he had almost no choice in the matter. And, and this is where the outrage can come because you can say, of course he had a choice. He could, have, he could have not done it. But if you really, really get into the fact that there is no free will, he was wired not to, whether it was the hatred within him, whether it was the people around, surrounding, yelling at him, telling him to stop, that may even made him keep going. We don't know what was going on in his mind that led him to keep doing it until the man died. And you would hope that as he sits in prison, he's reflecting, why didn't I stop? Why didn't I listen? And I felt as they led him off, here's a man, this has got to be the darkest. Well, no, not the darkest. I mean, every night of this whole thing has probably been because he's, he's going to have known the outcome from the start. Uh, I'm not going to get away with this. And and good, we don't want him to get away with it. We want him, the, the verdict was right, the punishment was right in jail. But I'm just saying, as another human being, given that we are almost robotic in our nature, that we are, we are compelled to behave the way we are by 
how we're wired, what our DNA is, what our upbringing is, what we experienced throughout our life, what goes on the moment before the moment before the moment before the moment before, what leads to every single action. And if you don't get what I'm trying to get, and I understand why you wouldn't, but it isn't that I'm trying to say black lives don't matter. This is this is, and this would be would would it would be outrageous for anybody to conclude, jump to any other conclusions other than what I'm saying. It's not about black or white. It's about human beings being almost robotic in our behavior. And yes, we want to believe. We have free choice. I always have believed that we are free to change. We are free to choose. It's this existentialist view that we create ourselves in each new moment, in each choice we make in every second we're recreating ourselves as something new and he could have recreated himself as a man who will show forgiveness and and get off this person and let somebody else lead him away to you know for the charge whatever he was going to be charged with but you see this is why I didn't really want to talk about it because I, I, I can't explain that thing but I was so taken by the episode about not having free will um, by the Sam Harris podcast on that topic. And I need to sort this out. I need to learn more. But it was just that feeling that as he he sits in prison, what have I done? It's, it's just, it's, it's compassion for another human being, another human being who did something stupid and wrong and, and hateful and bad, but he's still another human being suffering. And for people who are rejoicing, say, good, I want him to suffer more. I, I react the same way when we hear about somebody abusing children and, and the scream is cut off their balls, hang them, you know, public flogging. No, no. Something compelled that person. That person who who <sighs> hurts children, the serial killer, the rapist. All these people are wired a certain way. It isn't just that, you know, in a merry, joyful mood, they go off and do something awful. They're fighting demons that are built into them. All right, all right, I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop. I, I knew it would be a mess, but I, and I, and I would be so grateful <coughs> if I could get some help from somebody else to say, no, no, what you really mean, dude, is, uh, and I guess I've got to do a little more research on that whole topic of uh, free will or the fact that it's an illusion. All right, back to my uh, chai. Um... I was thinking about my father, World War II, because I've been reading about the Battle of the Atlantic and the corvettes that were built. And I have this photograph of my father that I, I may use in this episode, I don't know. But it's him sitting at his radio gear, and all the radio gear he, he is at would have come off the corvettes during the war. You know, the marine industries, which he was the general manager of at that time during the war, so I'm told. Um, built corvettes for the uh, Canadian Navy 
Yeah, for the Brit- I mean, Churchill asked for them. They were they were called the uh, a flower series of ship. They were like whaling ships, small, but they were used as escorts, uh, and they played a, a crucial role in the uh, shipping. You know, guiding the merchant marine between North America and England, um, and none were left. They were all broken up, sold for scrap uh, after the war, except for one, which is in Halifax, and I forget the name of it, and I visited it. But in that photograph of my father, there is a steel couch with leather cushions, which is from one of the Corvettes. And on the wall, there's a large wooden sign with a brass nameplate, um, the Dunvegan. I've mentioned this before. My father gave that to, when he moved out of Lachine, gave it to, we thought, a naval club or something. And I've not been able to track it down. I've contacted a few. I haven't got responses back. I would just love to see it again. I grew up with that in my father's radio room, something I always saw. And I just want to know what's in, up on a wall in a place of respect. Because, I mean, that's a historic piece. This is from one of the Corvettes built during the war. Um, I have all the dates and so on of... Uh, when these things were built, the the history of the Dunvegan um, Flowercraft Battle of the Atlantic. Uh, she was sold after the war to Venezuela and um, was rechristened the ARV Independencia, uh, and then eventually out of service, broken up in 1953, but sold in 46, and that would have been when my father got the uh, some of the uh, things that. I guess came off her six officers, 75, 79 men, radar. These are used for sonar as well and uh, mine sweeping construction. So it's just, it's just interesting. That was a part of my father's life. My father who went on to be involved through the same company, Marine Industries Limited, which was all started off as a dredging company uh, and dredged parts of the, uh, the seaway, a huge part of the St. Lawrence Seaway, which is why I grew up in Valleyfield, Quebec, which was near, the section of Seaway that my father was in charge of. Um, so there was another ship that was built by Marine Industries called the Abigue. And I know my father was involved in that too. I guess what I'm saying is, is uh, um, I'm kind of sorry that uh, my father's not around anymore. I can ask these questions of how wonderful it would be. Of course, he was a very shy man and would never have let me interview him. Uh, the name Abegwey, A-B-E-G-W-E-I-T, is from the Micmac word. Um, and, gosh, it doesn't say the uh, the way of... Oh, it's translated as cradled on the waves. Uh, it was a ferry boat built to serve Prince Edward Island, which, of course, back then did not have a... Um, um, uh, bridge that it has today. I've got, I haven't been over that bridge yet. It was an ice-breaking railway vehicle uh, and served between 1947 and 1982. Now, the interesting thing about the Abigail, and I bring this up because another one of our family heirlooms was a lovely just little thing to hang on your wall, a hand-painted picture of the Abigail. And, of course, there were photographs of my father being involved. I believe he got somebody a job uh, on that ship to help him get started from England in a new life in Canada. Uh, that's part of the family lore as well. Uh, but what's interesting about it, when it was finally decommissioned, 
uh, and put up for sale. It was brought by a Columbia Yacht Club in Chicago. They were not given permission to build a yacht club on the land in Chicago. Maybe the land was at a premium, whatever. So what they did was they bought this huge ferry, you know, for railway cars and cars as well, and got it to Chicago permanently moored it and it became the clubhouse. Now, how I would love to visit that, you know, and say, hey, my dad was involved in uh, the building of this thing. The original ferry, Abergwey, is now owned by the Columbia Yacht Club of Chicago, Illinois, where she is used as a clubhouse. And I think that's just such a, a wonderful in, uh, ending to a, a ship. Well, it's not an ending. It's still going, but better than being uh, um, melted down and used for scrap. Okay, so anyway, uh, those are just threads that have been running through my mind, and I guess it's uh, how I spend my morning. You'll get your cup of coffee, and you'll get the news, and then you'll maybe you'll get sucked into something on, uh, you know, um, a video or something, and then a YouTube something else will pop. Oh, if you like that one, he's gonna like these ones. Oh yeah, and you get sucked in, and then next thing you're googling. You know, Marine Industries Limited. Well, who are the Seamard brothers, the Seamard family who my father worked for? I think he started off his first job. I believe he was a chauffeur for one of the Seamards, a very wealthy uh, the family who owned Marine Industries uh, going way back in uh, Quebec history. Um, anyway, I guess there's nothing more to add on that. Uh, my dad was an interesting man, and uh, he's gone. <laughs> and... Uh, there were a lot of things, you know, including exactly what he was doing during the war that, that I, I know I keep repeating it. And I'm sorry, and maybe it sounds like I'm a little kid in grade four bragging about what my daddy did during the war, which kids my age, that was what was happening. Was your dad in the war? Yeah, what did he do? Um, anyway, I'm going to leave it there. It's, uh, it, was, it was, this is kind of a messy, confused hodgepodge of a section, but that's what sometimes you get on the Dixon Janes podcast. I'm just happy that the sun's out and uh, warmed up and uh, yeah, Scarborough Dude, signing off.
I was thinking, what a coincidence. They've got, they're playing Yoko Ono's Woman's Power on my favorite uh, radio station, Indie 88, uh, and then realized, no, that's not a coincidence. <laughs> I'm playing the CD. It's my own. No surprises here. I don't have the radio on. Get with it, boy. Uh, that's just a sample of how we're going to start this podcast. Oh, my God. Uh, it is Friday. Glorious, glorious Friday. The sunshine is back. It's warming up. Oh, my God, how good it feels. And I am sitting in the road trek in Sal. Um, it's about 1130, not quite noon. I'm just back from uh, an errand run off to A&B Bakery to get my bread. Posted a tweet. Three people liked the tweet. I'm happy. Reinforcement right there, you know. Made an allusion to being out hunting. And you come back with a loaf of bread. That's how our lives are today. And I I think it's significant. Uh, You know, this is what we've become, the humans. And this is what I want to talk about, what it is to be human. So we're going to get there, but uh, I got to clear the excess thoughts first. You know, it's a little bit like uh, pollution, whatever, just something. Fluff them away. Dust, maybe. I got to dust and get rid of the thoughts. So uh, I was going to record this from... Uh, Thompson Park, and then I changed my mind. I came up to Macau and said, no, no, just turn off here and uh, go into the uh, St. Andrew's Cemetery. You may as well do it there, because you're not going to get out and walk anyway. And right behind me is a police car. And right away you think, ooh, what did I do wrong, you know? But no, I, I quickly clued in to the fact that they also go to St. Andrew's Cemetery and park their vehicles way in the back where nobody can see them. They're within call range of all the major roads, Eglinton, Lawrence, uh, uh, Markham, you know. But it's hidden away in this back parking lot, and that's where they take their coffee breaks, and who knows, they were still there when I left. So uh, no fears there. I guess it was in my mind because as I was driving up Bellamy, there was a car coming towards me, The driver had his hand out the window, and he was making the waving motion, like, one, two, three, you know, not frantic waving, and his hand was down. He was waving down. So he was either keeping time with some music that he was hearing and enjoying it, but my first thought was, oh, thank you. He's alerting me to the fact that just up from that spot, there's a a, a chapel, 
and uh, very often the police park there and catch speeders. I've been caught there. My wife has been caught there. Uh, you know, both of us, I, at least me more than once. And so I thanked him and slowed down. And then, sure enough, the police car was following me after that. So I had cops in my mind. <sighs> All right, we got rid of that. Um, anyway, I, I, once I got out there, I did a little research on free will in the parking lot of St. Andrew's Cemetery. and thought, you know, the nice thing to do would be pick up donuts for the family. It's Friday. She works at home. It's a nice little thing. I've got the coupon, three forty nine for six donuts. Seems a fair deal. So did that on the way home using the app. How convenient. <coughs> and um, here we are now. And, of course, the content of what I say is I have, I have notes of what I want to guide the content towards. But between now and if I had started back at St. Andrews, you'd be getting something different. So let's start with uh, John Lennon. John Lennon, there was a special on TV last night, a two-hour special on uh, one of the American shows. Uh, was it 20 Minutes or 2020? Maybe one of those. Um, and, of course, I loved it, taped it. John was my man. And uh, to this day, I, I still feel the loss. You know, in the times of Trump, I was calling out for John. Come on, speak up. People will listen to you. Uh, and it is just it is just the, the saddest at a time when he was just looking forward to spending the rest of his days with Yoko and his son and reconnecting with Julian. Um, it, his life was just ended by somebody who I... I can't even bear to think about. And the reason I'm sort of going on this track is the previous clip I alluded to free will, which I don't really understand. So I'm going to read out a few quotes to, you know, because probably there's some of you out there who understand it much better than I do, or this whole idea, or may just disagree. I don't know. But um, I, I welcome feedback of any kind. But when I was not, I suppose it sounded like I was defending uh, the cop, uh, Derek Chauvin, for killing George Floyd. And suggesting there was it was not possible for him to stop. He was on a track. And it's as if, if you, if you follow the lines of no free will, you know, he just had to keep going. Let's read out a couple of quotes and then, you know, I, I, again, I know this will be a mess, but I have to, I'm just trying to, sometimes by talking out loud, you get a better understanding of what you believe. And I don't know where I stand on all of this. A lot of things, I, I need help. I need to sort it out. I need clarification. Uh, just because, uh, what's his name, Sam Harris says this is the way, I can't automatically buy into it without at least trying to understand it. So, free will is an illusion. Our wills are simply not of our own making. Thoughts and intentions emerge from background causes of which we are unaware and over which we exert no conscious control. We do not have the freedom we think we have. Okay, so that's one. Free will is an illusion. You know, we think we have free will, but everything arises from reasons that just exist and that we're really not conscious like why was it why why am I, why am I not recording from uh, 
um, the back of uh, St. Andrew's Cemetery, and instead I'm doing it in my driveway. Something drove me here. I needed to come back. I wasn't feeling right. It wasn't the right time. Uh, I was hungry. I wanted to get the donuts. All these other things were playing on me to say, no, you can't sit here and relax and do a podcast until you would do these other things. Bring donuts back to your family. And it I'm, I don't think that was conscious. That was just an underlying motivating factor. All right, here's another one. Newton's laws of physics simply don't allow for free will to exist. Once a physical system is set in motion, now physical system, we're not talking about Freudian's conscious mind. Once a physical system is set in motion, it follows a completely predictable path. Predictable after the fact, I think, don't you? According to fundamental physics, everything that happens in the universe is encoded in its initial conditions. Wow. So now we're getting into the whole, no, the whole fucking universe. Everything is just following laws of physics, laws of, of patterns that are predictable if you knew, if you understood how they work. But if you, if you can't and you go backwards, you can say, oh yeah, he did that because of that, because of that, because of that, because of that. All right. With me? So I'm buying into this. I, I'm agreeing so far. Uh, next, we are basically biological robots driven to our thoughts, beliefs, choices, intentions, and actions by unconscious forces in our brain. We're just biological robots, right? All the things are just driven by the unconscious forces. We're not aware of what they are. We are puppets controlled by the programming from our genes and life experience. Free will is deemed an illusion. Conscious mind is informed after the fact, and it generates the illusion that it has agency. The conscious mind generates this illusion that I have free will. Oh, I chose to go and buy the donuts and come home and then talk to you. Oh, after making a cup of coffee. Hey, folks, folks. Just made myself a really damn fine cup of coffee with the last of the uh, Colombian beans. And uh, the point was, hey, get the donuts. Don't spend a dollar fifty, whatever, on a coffee you don't need to buy. You got coffee beans at home. Oh, my God. It's delicious. Listen, do you mind if I have a bite of the donut? Now, you see, you'd think from what I'm doing now, this was a conscious choice. I just decided, hey, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to eat my donut in front of you. But, mm, 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 I got the apple fritter. Oh, my God. These are the deal. These are the ones you get. If you're not a regular Tim Hortons, I mean, you might have a, a French cruller. You might have an old-fashioned plane, both of which I ordered. Um, but, if you really want to get your money's worth and fill yourself up with just fat and sugar, go for the... Mm, sorry, Candace, but I know you're not listening, so we're good. Um, um, the Tim Hortons um, apple fritter. Another sip of coffee to wash it down. I'll be right back. I'll be right back. Don't worry. Okay, so... Why did I do all that? Well, I tried to argue that I felt I felt some compassion for Derek Chauvin going in, and, and I still, when I think of it, 
in contrast to the people out in the street rejoicing. Now, not everybody was rejoicing. Some people saying, hey, this might be justice in the justice system, but that guy, that white man still murdered my father, my brother, you know, my husband. Just, hey, this is not, it's not all good, but I'm glad at least he's being called and maybe this will prevent some future death. So there's the good part of all of that. But the man going in, what is his life experience going to be like? He, he's locked up, and I, and I can't rejoice. You know, now, if I go back to the Nuremberg trial, would I rejoice to see? I mean, I, I felt you were robbed when they poisoned themselves, whoever did that, I can't remember, um, and took their own lives. It's like, all right, I'm getting out on my terms. A hanging seems such a gruesome, and oh my God, I was... They used the electric electric chair up until the 60s, I think. Oh, come on. Uh, I'm against the death sentence. No. Lock them up. Let them suffer. And if it's a psychological reason, you know, maybe give some treatment, but keep them away from other people. And don't let them out in two years. Um, so, anyway, last night, watching John Lennon, uh, and they spent a very long time going over the murder. Like it's almost the second half of the show was all about the shooting. And it, there was part of it kind of pretty, not the best side of America in terms of journalism or shows. It focused on a man who just lucky for him, he had been hit by a taxi and was in the hallway right outside the place where they wheeled in John Lennon. They didn't know but he knew when he saw this Asian woman crying, he had a scoop. He's got to get to a telephone and call this in. I, you know, and he, and, he, and he heard, he saw, he got proof. Yeah, he heard the name. And he's got a scoop. He's got to tell the world. The world has to know, hey, I'm here. I got this story. And they interviewed him, like you were telling back about, you know, what a lucky break it was for him. And Yeah, hey, you fucking worm. But... Of course, the story was going to come out. Uh, I would believe it was Howard Cosell, annoyed to have to interrupt a football game to announce this. Like, who the fuck is John Lennon? I mean, he knew, but why am I interrupting my sportscast to announce this thing? Who cares? Jesus Christ, that, that was not one of his better moments. Anyway, um, the man, I, I don't even want to give his name. I know what it is. It's embedded. Um, they had a lot of pictures of him. They had stories about people who saw him, who he talked to. They knew he was crazy right from the start. And the whole story, which we're not going to waste time on. But the question arose. All right, Ken, test your limits. If you believe, if you have com some compassion... And I don't, I don't even think compassion. I don't know that compassion is the right word. Maybe it is. Maybe it is. Like, here's another human being who's in a pretty ugly situation. Who's who's going to be suffering for quite a while. You may say not suffering enough, but whatever. It's if you believe in free will, he had no choice but to just keep on doing what he did until the life was suffocated out of. Um, the person he was holding down, George Floyd. Now, do I have that same compassion for 
this man whose name I don't want to give, who's been denied parole 11 times, the world is not ready to forgive. And that would be a test. Like, the thing is, I do believe he was there with his 38 no snub nose pistol, knowing in advance what he was going to do because his life was so miserable and he thought this would give me some attention and maybe he was crazy and, you know, said, I am John Lennon and he was killing himself. I'm not interested in trying to find out, sorry, what it was that truly motivated him. And I guess that's it. And would you call me a racist? Well, wait a minute. Would you you feel the same? Would you have the same compassion if if a killer is black or Chinese or Arabic or uh, you know? A, uh, a, how about Muslims who took down the uh, twin towers? They were driven by forces beyond their control. Hey, they believed. They truly did believe. You know, aside from the stupid things they believe, you're going to go to heaven. There's going to be seventy virgins and whatever. Aside from the bullshit stupidity of your religion, um, they believe they are carrying out a righteous cause. And they were wired to do that, programmed to do that, programmed as in robots. So can you hate them for that? So I, I don't know, folks. I'm just raising these. I want you to fucking think, too, for Christ's sake. I want you to argue. I want you to have a different opinion. I'd love to get some feedback. But it, it's just, I think we have to, we're obliged to explore these things. Today's thought, you know, I always have shower thoughts that come down. And today's was the population growth on the planet. And we talk about, oh, great, everybody's getting together to cut down greenhouse, greenhouse gases. But nobody is talking about what do we really do to start limiting the size of, of population growth, like this expansion, which is leading to the deforestation, the cutting down the trees, the, the pollution in the air, the demand for more consumer goods, uh, the, the extinction of wildlife and, and taking control of the planet. It is this species, this fucking ape species that has risen to the top through brutality and cruelty, us, we're just fucking raving on and going on and populating and, and just going mad. Is this little COVID thing? Hey, it's a warning. All right, you fuckers, if you can't do it yourself, we're going to send another virus down. Or we'll even make one ourselves to start wiping out hundreds of thousands, millions of people just to sort of slow this pace down a little. Holy Christ, and you start thinking those thoughts, and now you're getting, well, this is getting fucking ugly. And then you start thinking about, all right, what about designer babies? Okay, you can only have one, maybe two children in certain circumstances to keep the population, you know, relatively balanced between male and female. But um, it's going to be controlled, and you're going to start having humans and new species of humans who are sort of, you know, hand-picked uh, with the right core appearances, mentality, brain capacity. Oh, oh. And we start losing that individuality, the, 
the, uh, the, the blessed stupidity of the average human. What's going to happen to the artists, the poets, the writers, the painters? Are they necessary? Yeah, I think so. So, boys and girls, we're going to end that. I think that's the end of the podcast. I don't know about the time anymore. I don't care. Uh, my birthday's coming up, and uh, I'll put this one out before. Maybe even today, maybe even early. Why the fuck not? I'm in control, am I? Am I? We talk about, again, this free will. Do I really have a choice in putting out a podcast every every week? Or am I just sort of wired that, no, I'm part of my DNA and my and my my inv- the environment I grew up in and the things I was lacking or in need of have forced me to be a, a, a storyteller, a, a continuer, a person who just keeps putting words out there. Uh, you know, hey, wow, I'm going through my Dixon Jane. Holy shit, I, how come we went from volume 20 to 22? And I find, oh, there was a volume 21. Uh, but that was when we ended the issue, and I guess I was brokenhearted about it, and that was the end of Dixon Jane's back in 2016, five years ago, in the fall. And I just found it. Oh, my God, there's no paper version, only a digital version. i got to print that sucker, man. i got to have a record to uh, contribute to the National Archives in Ottawa so people will know who we were. Scarborough Dude, signing out. On a gorgeous day, feeling feeling fucking good and feeling fucking strong. I'm feeling fucking strong. And I want to say fuck you to anybody who I should be saying fuck you to. <laughs> I hope it's not you. <laughs> I hope you don't feel you had that coming to you. No, it wasn't directed at you and you and you. It's just directed out there. Fuck anybody who ever tried to hold me back. Fuck anybody who ever made fun of me. Fuck anybody who didn't like me. You know, all those things that uh, are part of our, our wiring, part of the environment, part of the things that force us to do the things we're doing, force us to look for some kind of um, feedback. Uh, what's the word I keep forgetting, you know? Uh, not, a, uh, not, a, not reassurance, but uh, validation. Looking for validation. And when you don't feel you're getting your validation, you say, fuck you then. You know, I'll give it to myself. I'll validate myself if you can't. Fuck you then. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) I've just validated myself and I feel pretty good about it. I validated myself for the book I wrote, the next book I'm writing, for the Dixon Jane zine, for 20 fucking years of more. Was it? All right. 15 years, 16 years of podcasting. Yeah. I validate me for being the guy still trying to learn, still trying to grow, still trying to figure things out. Bye for 